Hello and welcome to The Grid Podcast. You may have noticed that I am not your regular host. This is Brian Murhead sitting in the hot seat today instead of the usual Simon Gallagher. So I'm Brian Murhead, Grid Connection Manager at eSmart Networks, and I'm here alongside today's guest, David McDonald, our Technical Director here at eSmart Networks. Afternoon, Brian. Good to see you. And uh, yeah, nice to have a, a younger host on this one. <laughs> Simon, I'll maybe give you a bit of a dig about that later. Uh, so today we're covering something that we get asked quite a bit about uh, from our customers, and that is voltage levels. So this is really kind of going back to basics a bit and covering voltage levels in the UK power industry. And effectively, it's what you need to know about voltage levels when it comes to if you're considering a EV, uh, an industrial electrification project or a renewable or, or battery storage project. It's really, well, what do you need to know about voltage levels? You'll hear us engineers talk about them all the time, probably sick in the teeth listening to us talk about 11 kV, 33 kV. So we're going to try and peel that back to what brass tacks, what do you need to know if you are developing one of these projects? How does it impact your budget? How does it impact your program and your actual physical space on site? I think is the other big thing as well. So we'll just step into it then. Voltage levels explained. And we'll start with voltage levels, going back to basic principles, like why do we have them? Okay, so you know, higher the voltage level allows you to transfer more power uh, through the same size of conductor. So back to my planning days, 11 kV, 1 megawatt is rule of thumb about 52.5 amps. Um, at 33 kV, uh, 1 megawatt, 17 and a half amps. So yeah, smaller uh, amount of amps, obviously. And then I mean, you can means for that conductor size, you can get more power along it as you go up the voltage levels. Yeah, so you're basically into the physical size of the lines, cables, transformers. The restriction on those cables is the amount of amps they can carry. Yep. So by stepping up the voltage, you massively decrease the amps and that allows you to stick a lot more power down the same size of cable, basically. Yep, that's it in a nutshell. So yeah, it's really physical limits of transformers and cables to transfer power, and that's that's why we do step up the, the voltages. So yeah, let's get into UK voltage levels then, and we'll compare this a bit with international standards, which I found a bit interesting researching for the podcast. So we'll run through UK network definitions uh, as per the ENA, and uh, I will just refer to some of the IEC uh, 60038 standards uh, as we go through. But effectively, you have low voltage down at the bottom of the chain. Yep. So low voltage, then you get into high voltage, which is mainly 11 kV, but you've got the odd uh, voltage level out there. Sometimes you have a 6, 6 kV in some instances and a 20, but generally high voltage, normally 11 kV. Extra high voltage, 33, and then there is 6, 6 kV network, sort of mostly uh, MPG region and sort of West Midlands into Wales. And then... Once you go on beyond that, depending on what jurisdiction you're in, you might get, uh, that might be seen as a transmission level voltage. Yeah, so you're above your 33 and 66 kV networks, you're then into your 132 kV or 110 kV as it is in Northern Ireland, which in Northern Ireland, Scotland, that is, you're now into transmission level. And in England and Wales, you're still at distribution level. So that that is actually quite a key difference because the transmission connection process is totally different to the DNO connection process. So again, that that is worth it's worth knowing that distinction if you are operating yeah, across the jurisdictions. Yeah. yeah, if you're looking to develop a project in Scotland or NI, when you come up into that voltage level, the, the transmission process is very different. And then above that, I suppose you're you're into transmission. Then in in England, Wales, Northern Ireland, and Scotland, two seven five kV and four hundred kV. Yeah. Sometimes it'll call those lower transmission voltages sub-transmission, but yeah. that just gets it even more, more confusing. So that's low voltage. 
high voltage in the UK is 11 kV typically. Extra high voltage or EHV, you might hear us say, is typically 33 kV, yep. but also includes 66. And then you've kind of got that sub-transmission 132110 voltage and then 275400 are your standards. I didn't actually know this because I've spent my career in the UK power industry, but uh, I have found this confusion when talking to a lot of renewable developers who've worked across in the continent where they'll talk about MV, medium voltage, covering 33 kV. Yep. So that actually comes from the IEC 60038 standard. So medium voltage in international standards is up to 35 kV. Then high voltage is 35 kV to 230 kV, which is massively different to what you and I call yep. high voltage. And then extra high voltage is above 230 kV in international money. But we're going to stick with the UK ENA standards. It's it's what we know. And yeah, it's, it's, it took me 20 years to learn those, <laughs> Brian. Don't be trying to get me to relearn voltage levels at this stage. Yeah, exactly. So the, the big question then, and, and the reason for the podcast is, what do we need to know about all these voltages if we're considering a new renewable, EV or industrial electrification project? Yeah, well, it's really sort of looking down to how much power you need. It's very much what we're wanting to do is like give you an idea, a rule of thumb, of you know, but it's not an exact science here. Uh, what voltage level, how much power you need, what's most likely to be offered to you. Um, and that allows you, sort of, as the power capability increases, you know, as you go up the voltage levels, actually so does the cost. So these sort of rule of thumbs. And time scale, I think, and is, time scale is, is often as well. the big one. Yeah, totally. So those are the really important parts to try and balance. And these sort of initial conceptual discussions with, you know, with customers is really, really important because... A lot of times, you probably see it more than me, people will come and say, well, I'm going to do that and I want to connect by you know, this time next year. And very much depend on how much power they need and what voltage level they're connecting to. That can really start to become a, a problem for their project, maybe. Exactly. So let's maybe just run through a few of the different voltage levels and some of those kind of what sort of power you might get at the different voltage levels and then what your kind of time scale and physical infrastructure impact might look like as well. And I think it is just worth saying, we're probably not going to cost specifically, but basically as you go up the voltages, you can transmit a lot more power, but it's also going to cost a lot more. And the cost probably rises exponentially as you step up, particularly into 33, 132 yeah. kV. Yeah. So low voltage then, basically would you say low voltage supply, you're typically maxing out about 1 MVA, 1.5 MVA, something like that? Probably, but that's even when you're actually nearly taking it off a, a full HV substation, like for much smaller connections or even domestic houses, wherever they're coming off, um, just your normal sort of LV cable in the street and very much sort of in the double figures of KVA at that point in time. Yeah, so just straight LV connection with no new HV assets, probably maxing out. This is all very high level rule of thumb, 100 KVA uh, or something around that. Yeah. 100 KVA or below, you might, you might get just an LV only connection. Once you're above the 100 KVA, right through to about 1 megawatt, 1 MVA, 1.5 MVA, you're going to be looking at a, a new HV to LV package substation. So one of those little sort of three meter by three meter GRP or steel kiosk uh, sort of substation. Then. And typically those previously would have done maybe what, 500 homes or something like that. You know, that sort of size yeah. of the connection. But we're obviously seeing a single EV charging installation needing the likes of that on its own No, right. totally. And as energy transition and heat pumps and everything else happens, that's all going to change as we as we go forward. Massively. And timescales for that, you're probably looking somewhere in the region of six months to a year. Something like that, maybe not even as long, depending just on, on the nature of it. Some of it can be relatively straightforward for those lower 
LV, yes. lower LV connections, but if you're needing the XV substation, then sort of six six months to a year probably. Yeah, sorry, it was it was the the substation I was basing the six months on. Okay, and then just moving up into the 11 kV connections, we've kind of touched on it a little bit with the LV, but uh, pure 11 kV taking supply at 11 kV, then you're basically looking about what would you say one MVA to maybe to kind of 10 to 15. Yeah, you start to get into some cable limits in around the sort of double figure mark. So seven, eight MVA, you might get away with that. All just depends on security supply and the resupply that you want for your site. So if you can supply it from uh, two cables and if one of them you know, is faulted, then the other cable can yeah. you know, supply the whole load. So yeah, it just depends where you get in. But yeah, you're probably in the high sort of single digits MVAs for that sort of... Yeah, um, yeah I've, I've seen a few installations even with three cables feeding at 11k. Yeah. You get into sort of weird stuff, but... Yeah, rule of thumb, I would say between one to three MVA, you'd be looking at a supply off a nearby 11 kV cable. Yep. So you'd be hoping to kind of get a connection on the cable in the street that's already there. Going above three MVA, then you're, you're looking at running brand new 11 kV cables right back to the nearest substation, really. Yep. There's a big kind of cost differentiator there for people to be aware of and time scale that kind of once you tip the balance on, if you can't get connected to the the cable outside your street and you have to all of a sudden pay to run a cable the whole way back to a substation, then you need to start looking into, well, where is the substation, how far are you out, and, and all that sort of thing. So you can be talking to an EV developer or industrial electrification project and, well, the difference between 3 and 5 MVA doesn't look that much to them, but it, it can be massively different in, in electrical yeah. terms. And that's why it's important for you know customers actually to, to look at their own loads as well because... Typically, we generally find people maybe overestimate those loads, you know, and initially say, oh, give me four. But actually, if you can get three, that might save you both time scale and yep. a huge amount of cost. Equally, those sort of loads in around a sort of town city network are probably okay to come by most of the time. But like if you have, if you happen to be in a Northern Ireland or a Wales or in Scotland where, you know, that's a rural connection you're looking for, then that starts to become even more tricky with like maybe overhead lines and you know, whether there's enough capacity in the lines for that and, and even into volt drop and stuff. So, yeah, those sort of larger connections in around a town, in around a city, generally you're closer to the substation. But if you're if you're much more rural, then that becomes even trickier. Okay. And then we kind of did touch on, you are into that kind of, it's a slight grey area when you get up towards 10 megawatts, 10 MVA and, and into the early teens. Yep. It's kind of, well, can you squeeze it out at, 11 kV or you know, or do you have to go to 33 kV and then you're into sort of an extra level of cost and things at yeah. that point. And there's a capacity headroom piece there that we've touched on but also just dependent on you know what cable size you need you might find that although you could squeeze it out at 11 kV the 11 kV cable connection could be quite beefy whereas you could get away with a smaller cable connection at 33 so all yeah. those things are all in the balance at that stage um, depending on you know what your final sort of voltage connection is at the at the far end. Yeah, so I would say, again, this is all very high-level rule of thumb. Basically about 5 MVA and above, up to about 50 MVA. That would be your kind of range for 33 kV connections yep. in, anything yep. between kind of 5 to 50. And again, it all depends. You really need to know the network around you. What is, if you are down at the 5 to 10 MVA range, you need to know about the 11 kV network. You need to understand what, what the 33 kV network looks like in that area. And generally you would see that's really where you would start to see a lot of the renewable connections coming in at that sort of level, ones that are not domestic. You start to see them in generally at the 33, some at 11 kV, maybe 5 megawatts or something, but generally mostly in at that sort of 33 level for, for renewables. 
Yep, and increasingly some EV and industrial electrification as well now as big industry moves away from from gas and, and other energy sources and, and electrifies their load. We are seeing you know loads creep up there for a lot of big industry. Yep, and it's interesting just how maybe some industry players get along with that because potentially you might even look at a phased approach where you can pick up some initial supplies at 11 kV, which might allow you to build out or bring on one line of your plant or one line of your factory or whatever. But ultimately, you know, then by the time, and this sort of touches in in timescales, so you'll maybe have a, a view on this, but obviously those 33 connections take longer generally to implement. So those are the considerations. You might be able to start with an 11 kV connection close in for a relatively cheap cost that gets you going. I mean, what's your experience with timescales there? Yeah, so I think I think especially in the EV and industrial sort of electrification projects, that is becoming a you know a larger requirement where the EV developer you know they need to get some chargers on the site. There's people in the area crying out for EV charging, but we don't have the kind of the year and a half or two years to wait that it might take to deliver a 33 kV connection. You know, by the time you put your application in, your your DNO time scales are longer to get quotes. You get that turned around. Those projects are typically big and complicated and I know it can be delivered probably in less than 12 months but they very rarely do take that length of time because there's typically legalities that hold it up or or there's something outside of the developer's control yep. um, that comes into play. So definitely are seeing, right, well, you know, let's see how much capacity can we get off the local 11kV network to get on cheap and fast and get us up and running, get some EV chargers in the ground, get a production line up and running. And then let's get the the thirty three kV built out then while that's happening. So uh, that that does seem to be a, a relatively it's becoming a more popular grid strategy, I suppose, particularly in those markets. That would be my opinion. And how have you seen like customers starting to use IDNOs in this space? Like, well, that yeah, that is the other thing. We probably could do a podcast on IDNOs on itself, and we'll maybe we probably get an IDNO <laughs> to help us with that. Yeah, I was going to say we we could invite one on, I suppose. So yeah, that that even just adds another layer of complexity onto the whole thing again. So let's just park that one for another okay. day, and uh, or else we could be here for another half hour. Yeah. So just for and in terms of as an independent distribution network operator, so there's there's people that you can go to or companies you can go to that that do that independently. So yeah, I think that is a good idea for another podcast. So yeah, we'll we'll leave that one for now. So yeah, back to 33 kV then. So we were just touching on sort of the power levels, but yeah, time scale. You're you're probably talking in around that year and a half. I would say the 33 kV switch gear lead times have have stretched out quite a bit over COVID. Haven't really come back yet either. So you're probably you put the application into a DNO. You know, given it's going to take three months to get the application back. Given that you're probably going to have to do a bit of due diligence in that application, get finances sort of out. You know, assuming that all takes kind of six months process, and then you press the button on, you know, instructing the DNO or your ICP to to fire ahead with building it. You're probably then about twelve month turnaround from there. You know, give or take, you're probably easily into a year and a half. Which again, for a lot of people setting up, you know, new factory lines and things with with larger power requirements than they ever had before, it, it can be a bit a bit surprising these time scales. So uh, thirty three kV that that takes you up to about fifty megawatts, roughly speaking. I'd say roughly up to about 30 megawatts, you might get connected into a passing 33 kV cable overhead line. When you kind of creep over the 30 megawatt threshold, again, none of this is scientific, but rule of thumb, more likely than not, you're probably going to have to cable back to a, a substation. So again, that sort of threshold's worth being aware of. Again, that's not scientific. The threshold could be lower, it could be higher, depending on the, the surrounding network. Always worth getting a network study carried out to kind of work out what that looks like. 
And then you're up into above 50 megawatts. Again, you could probably squeeze a bit more than 50 megawatts out of 33 kV, but rule of thumb, once you go above 50 megawatts, you're probably looking at 132 kV uh, connection. Ballpark, I would say anything between 30 megawatts up to maybe 150 megawatts at 132. The upper limit isn't really scientific there. It's just once you kind of get above the 100 megawatt, it just starts to get very specialist. The nature of the network, there's a lot less 132 kV network out there. So you might end up uh, having to get into a transmission connection or, or something a bit more complicated. So I suppose that's that's a point worth sort of saying. 11 kV networks, there's loads of it. So you have lots of different options. And as you step up the, the voltage levels, the network obviously gets less and less and less and, and your your options start to become a, b- a little bit more limited, but a bit, uh, definitely more complicated at the same time. Yeah, and I suppose then that's where some kind of you know grid study or whatever for people who know where those sort of lines are and those sort of available capacities are is really important. If you're thinking of something that's in that sort of 132 space, as you say, you could be miles away from a connection. So it's really important to have a look at that up front and just don't assume that, oh, well, I'll be able to build out a 132 line to it. Can, but it might cost you an awful lot of money. Yeah, and and then as well, like physical infrastructure on site, I don't think we touched on for 33 kV, you're probably talking a 33 kV switch room, three and a half meters deep by maybe 10 meters long, something of that order to house DNO and and client equipment. And then one, three, two kV, you you know, you could be into a compound that's 60 meters by 60 meters, you you know, you're into huge... Generally more outdoor stuff there rather than indoor. Into huge compounds. So again, worth being aware of the physical infrastructure you need to make room for on your site. And another good point, I suppose, is actually get the right substation kit into your planning application as well. We see a lot of issues with that where people don't actually realize how much electrical infrastructure kit needs to go on the site. Big, large physical infrastructure. They go and get planning permission for their scheme, whatever it is, a factory or whatever, and come back to realize they need this big, lovely looking substation yep. on the corner of a site that's visible from a road or something that the planning department don't take kindly to. So. Again, would recommend getting a little bit of concept design on, on the grid done early before you go into planning is always a good thing as well. It'll save you a lot of pain. And uh, Certainly at those sort of levels, as you go up those levels, those types of services become more and more important. Yeah. You know, in my mind anyway, certainly when you're down the voltage levels then, maybe not so, but when you're in those sorts of sizes of equipment and also compounds, etc. Like one, you need to make sure you have space in the site for starters, and then two, you're planning sort of elements. Yeah, so just to actually go back on that, I suppose 11 kV typically is covered under permitted development, I think is a good sort of one for the listeners. And I suppose once you move out of that, you're very much everything, all your grid infrastructure, 33 kV and above, will typically need planning. Yep. So yeah, and the only other thing we didn't touch on was sort of timescales with 132 kV connections is lead times on 132-33 kV transformers is probably the biggest driver there. So setting aside all the kind of getting the connection sort of out with the DNO, getting the capacity secured. Those transformers before COVID, we would have been seeing sort of six to nine month lead time. We're now seeing sort of 15 to 20 month lead time as things stand today in late 2022. So given that's just, you know, that's the longest lead bit of kit, but given the lead time on that kit and then all the other things to actually build and commission it, your your time skills for connection there, you know, you're, you're definitely stretching beyond the two year They are starting to really push out now. Uh, as things stand. So that that can be a big challenge for any project. You can rock up and construct a solar farm within a matter of months. The great connection is, it will it will be your longest lead item on, on the likes of a solar project. And 
probably a lot of industrial and EV projects as well. It'll be the great connection that takes. And sometimes, right in saying, sometimes at that voltage level in particular, you also have some summer windows or winter window limitations as well. So just depending how your transformer and commissioning works on site, you could also miss a window for an outage to allow you to connect, potentially. That is definitely another thing to be aware of, especially at 132 kV, is typically you'll only get an outage to connect onto that circuit uh, between clock change to clock change, so during the kind of spring-summer months. So um, again, can have a massive impact on program. Yep. So to summarize then, just a few key points that we've covered. Basically, identifying the appropriate voltage level for your project is a very important, it's often the first and one of the most important uh, steps in kind of your concept design and connection process yep. for your project. And do it early. I mean, that's the most important bit, getting early in these spaces so that you don't end up down a road and then having to reverse back out of it. Yeah, because it, like, it's going to impact your costs, it's going to impact your program and time scales, and yeah, that bit about physical space on site and, and planning permission potentially as yep. well. So yeah, it definitely is worth you know getting early stage kind of real good grid kind of capacity and analysis and a bit of concept design going to really inform you so you're going into that project with, with all eyes open. So yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there then. All right there. So just to close then, that's us for another episode of The Grid Podcast. Please do subscribe on whatever channel you get your podcast through. We really would appreciate people reaching out to request uh, any other topics. And we're also hoping to line up a few more guests in the not too distant future from across the wider industry. So do get in touch if you're interested. Our email address is thegrid at esmartnetworks.co.uk. That is thegrid at esmartnetworks.co.uk. Thanks. Thanks.